After a much too long, two-week absence from the ear holes and cranium cavities of you, our dear listeners, we're back again to add a bit to this podcasting platform pile of a show that we call See No, Hear No, Speak No. A fanfare-inducing return featuring none other than one of my personal favorites of a freak. The perennial psychopath whose personal preference for dismemberment and corpse copulation abetted by his prodigious cerebrum into the crystal-clear certainty of perfect consummation. An imposing monster of monumental measure, the behemothic polypheme in both stature and unquenched, incalculable impetus toward lascivious erection-inducing mutilation, including necrophiliac's Oedipal infatuation, despite the onslaught of abhorrent objurgation, compliments of his own personal Queen of Thebes. Having altruistic aspirations toward scrupulous employment in the authoritative axiom, finally, his festering fixation on the ravenous consumption of the academic dogma regarding his personal, infinitely intimate affliction, only to reconfigure and retool its therapeutic intention forged into the very embodiment of his righteous hatred. These sentences will be unencrypted within the show proper. And then lovingly injected with dick jokes and big rig background noise that fucking refuses to be edited out of the show. Welcome back, boys and girls. <laughs> oh, God. I really hope that got my dog's whimper in the background. That was perfect. Just after I, I did that. Yeah, I like it. Now, the whimpers that followed, not very well-timed, Darcy. Eh. That's why we have rehearsals on Wednesdays. I was going to say, she must have been absent for rehearsals. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. She's just a big fatty that wants more food shoved in her big fatty face. <laughs> She's beautiful, though. Anyway, welcome. Welcome, Chris. Welcome, listeners. Welcome. That's that's pretty much it, I guess, is the, the listeners, because there's you, and then there's people that maybe are listening somewhere. But Well, thank you for the welcome. I'm happy to be here. Not here, here, because where I am sucks, but other than that... With you guys, I'm happy. Uh, Chris and I are going to keep it super low-key and whatnot. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Because we haven't really talked about it at all yet. But just know, and I can't, I just can't contain myself, that Chris and I shall meet in in public very, very soon-ish. Indeed. At some date that has been determined that we shall not share. I'll keep you informed as it goes along, but so far... Everything is on schedule and, and looking good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 uh, No, I swear to God, if you come down here and we don't meet up and hook up, I I will fucking lose it. <laughs> nah, it should be How easy. weird would that shit be? How fucked up would that be? <laughs> so, to another wonderful... Jason and Chris are buds, like totally for reals and, and stuff, guys. <laughs> Episode of <laughs> See No, Hear No, Speak No. Well, that, was a, that, was, that was a slow slow going intro, but... I'll, I'll fix it in post. <laughs> they'll be able to spot how much we love the UFOs, conspiracies, and the murders. Along with, you know, the way that we just chatted up so nonchalantly. I already forgot what we were talking about. That's how much it meant to me. Good, then maybe everything I just said is completely off context. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I'm, I'm super curious now. Um, I'll find out. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, have I got a true crime story for you, Chris? Wait, 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 wait. Hold the phone. What? Sir. Mm-hmm. Before we get into to that, I, I feel I feel it only necessary. I feel it is my civic duty to apologize to the boys and girls for our delay yet again. 
is my stinky job that has everything just floating out in limbo. So my apologies, kids. And he and I talked about it today. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's still going to be the two of us. Uh, but it done slightly differently. We will also be able to, to do it much more often than we have been. Because <laughs> uh, you would think me having the, uh, the two-month-old um, would be the one. But no, she's surprisingly chill and, and, and relaxed. She's uh, just swinging in her little swing right now, just just wiggling away. Yeah, no, it's mm. it's my crazy schedule now. It's messing everything up. It's okay. But uh, we're going to work out these bugs. So, all right, continue. My apologies. Wait, you have bugs in your in your truck too? Hell no. Mm. I can see why you just don't want to spend a lot of time just sitting there. All those bugs everywhere. Nah, we clean when we can. So back to my original question. How would you, sir, like to hear a true crime tale unlike many other? <laughs> unlike many other. Uh, well, you know, I'm super excited about any true, true mm-hmm. crime tale. I'm, I'm with it. I'm completely down. And it's been good, a good, while. Good, 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 yeah, yeah, you know, we've uh, we've done, like, some more mystery stuff uh, lately, but today we're getting back into the fucking terribleness, because Burbank, California, on December 18th, 1948, Edmund E. Kemper III was born. He was born the second child for E.E., that's, uh, that's Eddie Jr., and Clarnell Kemper, that's, that's Clarnell with a C., because I know you had to ask. Uh, he had two sisters. Sounds like a black dude. One was six years older. Wait, what? Yeah, his, mom, yeah, his mom's a big black dude. Cornell. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just always picture a black dude when I hear that name. Yeah, because it's a it's a black dude name, not a not an old white lady name. <laughs> Seriously, just, I don't. And this isn't like a thing. It's that that's a name that I know uh, some black guys by, and I've <laughs> never met a single <laughs> old white lady with it. So. Anywho's, he had two sisters, one six years older and one two years, two and a half-ish, whatever, uh, years younger. He was real close to his dad, but his parents divorced in 1957, so he was nine years old. So, Clarnell moved the uh, the kids and everything to Montana, which sucked for Eddie because... I'm totally picturing like a big mama situation now. Uh, where it's Big Mama's house? Why? Like I, I, I never saw the movie. Like, well, no, like like it's a it, like it's a dude in a woman suit, and he just never changed his name because he pushed on the husband that it's a you know it's a new age, it's unisex. Cornell can be a girl. <laughs> so, uh, he he claimed that it toughened him up, like going to do all this shit, um, and. Uh, what really toughened him up about this whole experience was the fact that his his mom would lock him in the basement because uh, he was off putting. Can we? Uh, we can just say off putting, right? Because uh, he well, was a, a large even even as a child. Um, he uh, uh, he he really hated his mom, but he spoke a lot of the time like he understood why she did the things that she did, which is kind of uh, fucked up, I guess. To, to be able to rationalize uh, just, you know, abuse, I guess. And in a lot of later interviews, he would just, he, he would describe his fear and anger growing up along with all these things that he would envision doing. Um, so all of his fantasies that were, uh, as we'll see, not very pleasant ones for a normal person to have, but like super fucking great for him because boners are good and stuff. Um <laughs> This is when it started. So uh, he went on to say uh, later on that uh, he said that when he killed the family cat, placing its head on an altar, that he felt empowered and he uh, he just loved it. God, he loved it, loved it, loved it. He couldn't get enough of it, especially after when he did it, he got away with it. Everybody knew it was him, but he was like, no, 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 no. No, that was that. That was uh, that was probably that the guy next door. Uh, he's eighty years old, Eddie, and he can't walk. 
you know, for these for these animal killing guys, like I don't I don't understand why not try to you know hone that or, or or harness it into something constructive like you know taxidermy or something like like we saw like that picture well, I sent you the if, other day if you're a taxidermist if you're a taxidermist you don't get to torture and tear apart people's pets though like i think that's the part that's the part that's the fun part for them i don't think it's the 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 posing and <laughs> and filling with sandus bit well no no that part is like the 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 cover it's like the cover but you could kind of do damn near whatever you want with them up until the part where you got to put them all back together but you don't even have to put them all back together hunting motherfuckers just eat the, you know fillet them and eat them and all that kind of shit and there's nothing to show for it so you don't really have to have anything to show for it but if you want trophies now you're trained to do that now i'm not saying that that's not something a I get a real sicko would then turn around and do to people. <laughs> well, oh, see, what I thought you were saying was that he should become a taxidermist to learn taxidermy to then further the art that he already has at home, which is murdering uh, neighborhood animals. No, 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 no. I was saying because that take it away from. I could see that that movie like uh, Men- uh, Dennis the Menace, you know. Oh yeah. Like, but in that situation, I I think that's you know. I could see that being a hilarious family comedy. Hated that kid. Starring Ice Cube and... Uh, I, I don't like Ice Cube much either. <laughs> in family comedies? No? Really? Not 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 not, in, not as, not as a, a, a family comedy actor with an RV. <sighs> it's just... It's just... God. <laughs> you know, there was that day that you had where you didn't even have to use your AK. Right. But now... <laughs> You're yelling at some other bitch's kids in this RV that that you can't drive, and and it's not because you're stupid or anything. It's because it's an RV and you've never driven one and you're having trouble with it. And now they're yelling things from the back and you're like, "Er." Well, I mean, like maybe start maybe start using your AK again is what I'm saying. It's a new day. It could be a whole new movie. I think perhaps an AK is uh, required in such a film. But I mean. I'm really. I'm just saying that perhaps instead of doing things to terrorize people, you could like harness your uh, your weird tendencies towards something else more so, constructive. Yeah, I mean, it, I'll encourage from the sidelines, like the picture I sent you yesterday or the other day or um, whenever that was. I re- refresh my memory. The, the the spine whip the the whip that was made of uh, two human spines that was found yes. in a fucking basement in Wyoming, and it looked like it was encrusted with blood. Yeah, like, yeah. I want to find out more about the about the human spine whip because mm-hmm. uh, that's just sweet stuff. But you know what's funny is um, like uh, this story is still worse, huh? I think. I mean, it gets worse. That's pretty bad. I mean, he didn't make he didn't make torture implements out of the anyway. Uh, so he uh, he honed his ability to uh, to manipulate people really, um, and he would present just like a super normal fucking public facade that anybody would feel just fine being you know just they would trust you you would trust him because uh, that's what psychopaths do I suppose is they're able to to put out this completely normal thing that they know is completely not. And uh, the whole time in their head, they're laughing as they fucking fuckstab us, you know? Just a, just a quick update on what that noise is uh, when it happens. Mm-hmm. That's the, um, mm-hmm. the uh, lane drifting sensors. If, if one of the wheels drifts out of the lane, it'll, it makes us start that do-do-do-do noise on either side of, of the cab, just to let you know. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, is that something that we, as uh, as as lovers of Chris, should be worried about? No, no, not at all. It's just it's there's nothing I can do about turning it off or the volume of it or anything no, like no. that. You're you're good. You're good. That's what editing's for. <laughs> and if I can't edit it out, you just had a uh, you know a whole explanation of it. So I think we're good. Cool. So, uh, it's uh it's around this time uh, that he killed the cat and such. 
that he was also developing this uh this intense uh make 'em up world uh he was ten years old and he was already thinking about like ladies as sex things you know and what he could potentially do to these sex things that were women uh. um it's sad um he says in a later interview when i was in school i was called a chronic daydreamer and i saw a counselor twice during junior high and high school and that was very routine they didn't ask me a lot of questions about myself and that was probably the most violent fantasy time that i was off into wow the whole time where people are supposed to be trying to help kids <laughs> is the whole time that he was having the most intense fucking violent fantasies that he could have and he was seeing a counselor and and all this stuff it was you know i guess they just don't ask the right questions mm, yeah i'm sure in some cases it it really does just go a little step further than just being able to talk to someone about things people are genuinely driven to do things yeah exactly um i mean and i mean i don't know the way that this guy guy's brain worked um his brain was a, a fucking steel trap machine of a like you you could set your fucking watch on it like he will get more into that but was a genius his iq is is genius level iq <laughs> so he had the type of mind where uh he could take in all the information and then assemble it the way he needed it to be assembled and then he could just use that as a tool now instead of letting it actually get into him and change it. Wow. Impressive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Ah, old Eddie Camps. So, stories from his sisters involved uh, other kind of disconcerting things. Uh, one of his sisters had goaded him into kissing a teacher, and he apparently said that if he did, uh, he'd have to kill her. So it's like he's the CIA with a secret, I guess. Oh, damn. His younger sister later recalled that he often cut the heads off her dolls, um, and his, his mom put him in the basement to keep him away from the girls because she didn't trust him. Her, uh, you know, that's probably, I mean, was he a terrible uh, rapist murderer before the basement, or was he a terrible rapist murderer because of the basement? E. Hmm? Probably before. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was. Hmm. But the basement didn't help. Anyway, no, I'm. I'm guessing the basement didn't help much at all, really. Um, his parents did actually try with him because um, he he was just a difficult kid, you know. Um, but not in like he wasn't yet. He wasn't like an aggressive dick kid that feels entitled to everything. Like he was a an honest to god like wrist cutter, but maybe not his wrists kid. That's all fucking just quiet and you don't know what's going on in there. Ah, right. But it says that like when he was a kid, he was he was afraid that uh, that he would be physically hurt by other boys, and uh, that he, he wouldn't be able to have friends with them or be friends with them or have friends or fucking whatever. Um, and he still could not let go the whatever feelings he was feeling because of his parents' divorce. So, like, he's still having all these things in his head and then added all that on top of the sex and violence fantasies. So that made the kind of personality that his mom didn't exactly uh, like living with at all anymore. So he was sent to Los Angeles to live with his dad and his, uh, his new stepmom which uh, didn't go well. <laughs> Their reaction was about the same as his mom's. So they uh, sent him off. Well, I, there, I found uh, conflicting things here that say that uh, after he went to, to live with his dad and his stepmom, that his dad got freaked or whatever and then sent him to live with his parents, so uh, Edmund's paternal grandparents. Or I've also heard that after he, his dad kicked him out, he went back to his mom's, back to his dad's, back to his mom's, then to the grandparents. 
So just throwing that in there because I don't know which one's which. So he was sent to Los Angeles, and their it, it, their reaction was much like the reaction of uh, his mother's and his father's, in that his strangeness was like it was threatening, and they immediately needed like they were like we have to figure something out with this kid because this is too much. So he goes and he lives on this 17-acre farm in Northfolk, California. On uh, he was brought there on uh, for the Christmas holidays or whatever, and uh, <laughs> uh, they just left him there. <laughs> like oh, they didn't tell him that they were moving there. Yeah. So uh, so that's good. Um, he 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 later says I went to live with dad, and uh, he sends me up to grandma. Now she's gonna undo all the terrible things that my mother did to me. I'm going to be a showpiece. She's going to show the world that my mother was a lousy parent. I'm going to be a pawn in his little game. I think we can we can gather that he wasn't really happy to be there. <laughs> no, not so much, but it, it seems like he's kind of okay with this little scheme, but maybe that's all sarcasm. This little I I think he's he's honestly happy to be away from his mom. Like I I I don't want to say she she abused him. I mean, no one should be locked in the basement. Um but I think that's going a few steps too far, but I think that's kind of the only thing that she overstepped with. I mean, she was a nag. Like, she was constantly at him about the tiniest things, uh, and they would have loud fucking arguments. But, you know, like we hear in a lot of other serial killer cases that are abused and, uh, you know, all this other terrible stuff when they're kids, um, he just kind of got yelled at a lot so yeah it it was before the basement huh. but the basement didn't help indeed so um he even though not being happy there he started school anyway because let's all remember that eddie kemp's is uh still younger than 16 <sighs> so his teachers at a uh, sierra joint union high school they help him and he makes some progress. He's still not... I mean... Wait. Did you just say he makes shrimp fried rice? <laughs> I did. I, I said some progress, but... That's totally Now I'm different. super hungry for shrimp fried rice. Um, I like that. That's the best... Uh, that's the best anyone has ever misunderstood me. Um, but <laughs> they found him to be meek and quiet. Uh, he didn't cause trouble. He made regular ass grades and he didn't draw attention to himself but he was still uh, a super fucking tall dude even at this age he was over six foot so but back at home with his grandparents shit was tense and and he just he didn't like them they didn't like him and and everybody knew that everybody hated each other um they found him disconcerting which is a a pleasant way to say fucking weird fucking weird (laughs) and (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, That's exactly what I was going to say. It's, uh, mm, uh, but uh, they kept him busy and out of their hair by giving him a twenty two rifle. Uh, 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 and he would go out and, and with his little dog and he would shoot rabbits, gophers, and birds, even though he was warned not to shoot birds quite a few times. Uh, but for a while, this, I guess, would contain his aggression. Uh, because he still got to murder things. But at the end of the school year, he went back to his mom and sisters and uh, to spend the summer. But within two weeks, he was back at the farm. And when he got back there, his his grandmother, Maud, um, had commented that you, you went backwards, kid, you know? Like, you've regressed. He seemed a whole lot sadder, more ominous, and uh, he just didn't have uh, an outlet other than nothing and is gone I guess so just by going to visit his mom and sister he takes two steps for two back. weeks oh okay so two weeks that's a decent amount of time you can get into a few arguments and piss people off in two weeks you know sometimes it's two steps forward and it's two steps back you know yeah not two steps and like cat's heads that we come together cause cause opposites attract oh no Oh no, MC Scat Cat, watch out for Edmund Kemper. He's back again. Oh. Oh. This fucking guy, he never goes away. Mm, he just did. Edmund Kemper just put his head on a pole. Ugh. Eh. 
<laughs> so uh, his 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 grandma, though, to him was also what he considered to be a bit of a nag, and he thought of his grandfather as a bit of a bore. He would start having violent fantasies, but this time starring his grandma. He he once said that he imagined her in the outhouse as he shot it full of holes. Um, he, <laughs> he would line up the sights of his rifle on her without her without her knowing or seeing. Um, and it would just like he'd be like, hmm, I wonder what it would be like to kill her. That much I think everybody does. Like those kinds of just those. I don't think everybody does that through through the sights of a twenty two rifle. Though. Not not literally. <laughs> through a rifle sight but I'm saying like everybody has those types of thoughts or just uh, I wonder whatever squish you from afar with this with this fucking weird kid uh, skulking around their property this made Maud a a little nervous Uh, you know he's just walking with a big frown and and uh, dragging his twenty two as his dog licks the dead cat off his feet and stuff, like that would make me nervous. <laughs> so she started carrying uh, Eddie Senior's uh, f- uh, forty five pistol on her uh, uh, a few times because not because she wanted it in case something happened, but she didn't want it. She she didn't want to leave it there and have it fall in to. Eddie the Third's hands because she, it she's a smart lady, she's a smart smart lady. Uh, she told him not to touch it a few times, uh, but she didn't think that he was going to do that. So, what's even better is that even though she told him don't touch this and stuff, knew that he wasn't going to listen and took the forty five with her. He took this as a lack of trust and an insult, and then fucking brooded and just got sadder <laughs> and sadder. All summer long, shit got bad and tense. And so on August 27th, 1964, Edmund sat with his grandma at the kitchen table. They were going over proofs from a children's book that she was writing. So looking up, she noticed Edmund had a bit of a a weird uh, look on his face, like a, a thousand yard stare kind of deal. And uh, she she'd seen this frightening look a bunch before. She told him to fucking knock it off. And after a moment, he he stood up and he picked his gun up and whistled for his dog. That and He said he was going to go shoot some fucking gophers. So he walks through the screen door. He turns around, sees that her back is faced him, sitting at the table. So he raises his rifle, took aim at her head, and he fired once. She fucking immediately slumped over at the table. And shot her two more times in the back. And then he went inside. Grandma? This is Grandma. This is murder number oh, one. Fucked up. Uh, so he, he goes inside, he wraps her in a towel, and he drags her into their bedroom. And uh, just minutes later, his, gr- his grandpa pulls up the driveway with the grocery shopping that he's done. And as, he's, unlo- grandma, as he's unloading the truck, uh, Edmund takes aim and shoots him in the back of the head. So... Uh... See, man, I think about shit like that, like, all the time, where, like, I'm like, you know what, it's fucked up. It's, like, extra fucked up to murder old people, because, like, you know, you could say, oh, well, young people, it's fucked up to murder young people, because it's fucked up to murder anybody, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I'm just saying, some people will make the argument that it's more (laughs) fucked up to murder young people because they haven't had the chance to live. Whereas an old person can go, I think it's more fucked up to murder old people because they've lived this long without fucked up shit happening. Yeah, and And then then you just come in and be like, "Eh." you know, I've I've always always thought that too. Like in a movie when like an old person, you didn't develop cancer, skipping down the street and stuff. You don't have dementia. They've been through all this stuff, and then like just their head explodes or whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, all for fucking ninety. You're trying to. Spend out the rest of your years. Okay, like, no, I, I think there's a, I think there's a cutoff date where where we just purge, but we'll talk about that later. So yeah, yeah, that that's a different story. I'm just saying, like, I'd be I'd be pissed the fuck off 
if I got murdered when I was like 80 or or above. Like that's that's just well, good just luck being rude. pissed off because you get murdered, Chris. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. Let me know how your how your attitude at the rudeness that's that's come to you, how that works out in the end. Oh, I'm gonna be a ghost. Oh, you I'm believe gonna that? Be a ghost. <laughs> Mark my motherfucking words right now. Oh, me and the universe only, got this shit worked out. If only I'm Maud, gonna be a ghost. If only Maud and Senior had told Edmund this, they maybe could have could have cut out a lot of uh, a lot of heartache and grossness. So, killing his grandparents. I, I don't know if you. I mean, he was dismayed at uh, at what had transpired, but not was he not because was he, he had dismayed? done it. Not he, he wasn't he wasn't dismayed or saddened because he had killed his pa- his grandparents and they were gone forever and shit. Uh, he was he he knew he'd be caught. His his grandparents or, or did he know that eventually he was gonna get fucking hungry and there's no money coming in the house because you're a fucking retarded 16 year old kid no. being a no. goddamn douchebag it, would, it wouldn't take it wouldn't take that long because his grandparents aren't the kind of people that would just leave him alone for a while on a vacation or whatever uh, so even if he he hid their bodies their friends and family would kind of notice immediately like they were well liked people so Duh, fuck it. so i mean he didn't think anything through much less where's my next meal coming from i, I don't i mean i well, I mean, I know exactly what he he was thinking because it's been he said it a, a trillion times, or it's been written about that he said it a trillion times and all this shit. But um, what what he was thinking was, and I quote, "I wanted to see what it was like to kill Grandma." <laughs> and then the reason for his 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 grandfather's uh, death by murder by child with a gun was that he didn't want his grandpa to see his grandma dead and die of a heart attack so he shot him in the head oh oh okay you, we're you being see, uh... you see he's the nice guy he's the hero <laughs> he's he's such a sweet awesome dude that I'm not he's like the word all of a sudden. I don't want my grandpa to go through this heartache I'll kill him too. Sympathetic. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> so what a for, fucking guy. So he calls his mom freaking out, telling her what he did. And his mom's like, okay, so call the cops. <laughs> I, I don't know what you want me to do. I, you just killed your fucking grandparents. <laughs> I don't, what, like, I, there's no protecting you from this. I'm not going to say I did it. I was I have alibis for where I was. Um yeah, so call the police and don't do anything else stupid. He calls the police and he waits for them on his porch. They pick him and up. These are his paternal grandparents? His paternal. His papa's. Right, so his papa. mom's like, "Eh." Yeah, his mom I don't think cares that much. They're they're her they're her ex-parent-in-laws. <laughs> and that's right, right, say, right. But that's... Sometimes when the fury's there, it gets leaked on to other people, you know? Um, Mom's like, eh, I guess it, at least it wasn't people I liked. So he was then incarcerated in Juvenile Hall while the California Youth Authority decided what to do with him. And a court-appointed psychiatrist diagnosed him as paranoid and psychotic. So they committed him to a Tescadero State Hospital. He entered that facility on December 6, 1964, and he hadn't even had his 16th birthday yet. This is a 15-year-old child who has just murdered his grandparents in cold blood. (laughs) That's where where we begin our story. And... Boy, the twists and turns are very, very, very. Um, let's just say you can see him from a mile away if you've ever heard about a serial killer before. But it's the details that the devil lives in, and that's where we're going. You know Love where we're it. going? We're going to a Tescadero State Hospital. Mm-mm. Eyebrow raises. Mm. That's right. Oh yeah. That's right. What I, state I, is that in? Uh, it's in California. So we are in oh, a yeah, California yeah. state um, 
insane asylum in the late 60s. So I'm thinking I'm thinking resort. I'm thinking cocktails by the pool and squash uh, probably next to the pool. But still, I'm thinking it's pretty sweet there. I'm thinking more along the lines of season two of American Horror Story. Or American Idol. So Ah. it wasn't uh, I mean, it was a, a secure facility, but it wasn't a prison. It was an insane asylum, basically. And maybe not even an For insane asylum. It's just... Double murder. Yeah. Uh, he was also a child. I don't know. There were no guard towers. Um, and basically, the, the purpose of everybody's stay here wasn't rehabilitation or paying penance. It was treatment. It was, uh, you know, being treated for a sickness, basically. So when he got there, they gave him, you know, every test that they could fucking throw at him to try to get insight into him at all, if not into um, the nature of his crimes or whatever. Just they they tried everything. So he uses all of the results from these uh, <laughs> these tests that they give him to learn more about what people thought of what he did. He was he wasn't sad about it at all. Um he 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 didn't even accept responsibility for what he did saying that it was beyond his control. Ah, <laughs> uh, so what he did yeah, was I wondered. Mhm. Like I, I was just uh, no, I'm just always thinking like you got to wonder what's you know, I can't even really formulate this into a real question, but it, it always occurs to me that the difference between the ones who who say that it's out of their control or they just couldn't fight the urge and this and that, or the ones b- between the ones who go like more like a Carol Cott sort of situation, and he goes, <laughs> I did it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, see that—that's the—that's the—that's the, the right kind of guy for me. I just, you know, I—I'll say something that I don't think I've heard anybody ever say before about Carol Carol Cott, and that is, I think that if maybe he had some more training, that he could. Dude, <laughs> dude, dude. That's why we're friends. Like you—you you took the word right out of my episode. Yeah, I, I did because you've said that to me multiple times. I always get angry just... at it. Just saying. <laughs> I like it. Though. Just saying. Start maybe my words mm-hmm. will spawn someone to break <laughs> off and start training serial killers to be mm. awesome at what to be they awesome. Do. So like, like to dude. like learn how to like play bass for Kiss and replace Gene Simmons on their latest tour. That'd be. Pretty I mean, awesome. the government does it anyway. So the government why not does it anyway, guys. <gasps> spin off and are any of the members of Kiss killers. still the original members of Kiss or are they all government spy plants uh, hey they're Jewish who okay, knows it's a different episode altogether. <laughs> so what he did with all the information that he's getting out of all these tests and shit is uh, he's not like oh so that's wrong with me I wonder how we're gonna fix it it's oh so that's how people know that that's wrong with me I know how to not let them know that anymore <laughs> yep 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 crafty they, little strategist they let him work in the psychology laboratory and uh, he would help administer tests he took pride in doing a good job and his doctors interpreted that as a good sign because usually psychopaths are reluctant and uncooperative workers, but um, he seemed like up for anything. Like he just wanted to get his hands fucking dirty. Right. But while he's Not there sociopaths. doing all this, like putting his, his best face forward, he's getting to know other people at a Tescadero, including serial rapists who would share their stories with him. And what he did with this is he started developing ways that they fucked up. Like, he's like, oh, that's how you got caught. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. So, uh, it's, it's, 
you know, you, you, you left witnesses. You attacked women that you knew. You did it in too public a place. All this stuff. So he's, he's keeping all this information because he knows he wants to do something terrible. But he also knows that he doesn't necessarily want to be caught for it. So he didn't share any of these fucking terrible violent fantasies with his doctors because he knew what to say to, to get out. So he claimed religious conversion, <laughs> which he, he backed up by just learning tons of, of Bible verses that he had heard here or there. He, he was clean cut. He was a conservative dude. He was super fucking smart. And was eventually released in 1969. So he's there for four years. So when he he gets out, though, it's kind of a shock from the the world that he he left and the world that he's now walking into. Because, like I said, he's fucking super, you know, like he's a square. He's a fucking square, man. And everywhere, as far as the eye can see, in California in 1969, are fucking hippies. <laughs> yep. Oh, <laughs> fucking shit. hippies. So they're all peace-loving it up with their disgustingly unwashed hair and their stupid smelly yep. clothes and their fucking and dirty gross sandals and their, their stupid music that I hate. And their stupid way of talking. I'm staring Melissa dead in the eye while I say all this, too. I was going to say. <laughs> and their beautiful babies that they have for That's you. That's right. And and the wonderful just gifts from from Stephen Hawking beyond the grave himself that we have <laughs> together. That's right. That yep. beautiful, beautiful, tiny little twitching poop bag that I love so much. Okay, I think I covered that up nicely. Wink. I'm not supposed to say wink. Congratulations. So he uh he comes out and he, he comes out and he's like, I should be a cop, cause uh, cause fuck this. <laughs> um, but the oh police, God. both local and state police, had a they have a maximum height limit. <laughs> you can't be a cop if you're over this tall. I think that's what? hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, what about Hightower? Okay. Police Academy, while a a wonderfully, uh, masterfully even uh, arranged and filmed and, and acted and written and shot uh, just work of, of pure cinematic art that is the police academy movies they're still movies chris hightower would not have been allowed into the the police why the hell not he's too fucking tall you can't fit in a car you saw what he had to do to the cop car to even just just drive it around a course he had to rip the fucking seat out you can't be doing that from the back seat yeah well uh anyway like so he's look too imposing, tall but they're, they're so slow and they break easy when they're that tall it's weird um uh, so they okay. were like, "Yeah, that makes sense. You can't move very fast." Yeah. And shit. So, mm-hmm. so instead of a double murder, you're just too tall. Like that's why they. That's oh, why yeah, he got oh, yeah, turned cause, out. Because he was. I mean, Chris. He was. He was a minor. His his killing his grandparents has been completely sealed off. Oh, only the feds can bring it up. I see. Only the federales. That's right. Only the Mexican. Goddamn governmental police force. They always know. God bless America. So since they were like, nope, you're too tall, you big stupid tall man. How's what's the what's the weather like up there? Ha, huh, you're an asshole because you're <laughs> you're you're tall. He was six nine. That's crazy. Six foot six nine. Six nine, really? Six foot nine. Wow. Yeah. I, I knew a guy in high school that was that big. That's a big son bitch. Who was he? Oh, uh, uh, well, I, his name is did, Mark Asprodites. I mean, what, did he go to Bonneville? Yeah. Uh, no, no. Sorry, he didn't. He did not go to Bonneville. Okay. He, he was one of the rave kids with us. But yeah. But anyway, tall guy. I get it. Huge. I hate it. Jerks. I'm. I'm very. I'm just below average in height, but just above. Believe they made Jinkos for that guy. Who did what now? <laughs> 
They said, you believe they made Jinkos for that guy? Uh, I think that he probably they, just put some bed sheets around his legs. Um, they totally did. That's crazy. So he, he wanted <laughs> so bad to be a cop, and they wouldn't let him because he was too tall. So do you know what he did to make himself feel better? He bought a fucking motorcycle. That's right. Because <laughs> riding a motorcycle, on a motorcycle. What, what's the very first thing that you think of when you're riding on a motorcycle? Don't answer. It is. Motherfucker, I feel like a cop. This is the best, right? They don't make motorcycles for people that fucking big, though. Yeah, well... Um, I mean, they do, but you have to get them custom made, like Shaq. Yeah. Uh, well... It, We'll uh. Otherwise, you look we'll, like we'll, a get, we'll get to we'll get to being too On big for riding motorcycles. So, while he's doing all this shit, he did real good at school, real well at school. I'm gonna say that part correctly. Yeah, you did real good and, at school too. <laughs> shut the fuck up, motherfucker! <laughs> and he was paroled for another 18 months, and then his doctors at Atascadero had recommended strongly that he not go back to his mother. She had relocated yeah. to to Santa Cruz because his mom plus him equal nugget him, you know. Santa Cruz is hard too. You fall in with that rowdy, rowdy mm. crowd, and you know. So so they sent him directly back to his mother. <laughs> nice. Yes. Nice. His psychiatrist is like, so the do not sent him back. Let him live with that woman, and then the uh, wow. the youth authority was like. All right, go live with your mom. <laughs> wow. <sighs> I want to see what happens. The saga continues. So, back with Clarnell. That's right. <laughs> Did we miss her? No. Uh, now, her last name is Strandberg, because she has since been married and divorced. <laughs> but she held a responsible position as an administrative assistant on the University of California at Santa Cruz campus. I'm going to call that the the UOCASC from now on. Works for me. That's the Pronounce only time I'm going to have to say it, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> she was... People liked her, you know? Um, Uocast. Life without her son for a few years, uh, she felt pretty good. Uh, like, she had she'd had a peaceful few years. Um, you know, other... I mean... She did get married and divorced again, but still. But as soon as he got back into her life, into her little duplex, she, they just started having fucking, well, verbal battles, but loud enough to be heard by and commented on by their neighbors. Um, She still nagged him like crazy, blamed him for everything, including her first failed marriage. And, uh, he says later Her that she, death. Yeah. She she said later. Ex. I mean every day I would just be like, you know you killed your grandparents. <laughs> I'm serious. Son of a bitch. Why why would you I want you not here? allowed to have You murdered anything. your grandparents. So but he says later that she would plastic uh, silver. She she would ream him about at, as things as trivial as whether he should get his teeth cleaned or not. Um so, to get away from his mom, he would, uh, a lot of nights, go hang out at this place called the Jury Room, which was a local bar. Uh, and godliness is next to non-existingness. Exactly. Which means that you should always try to make the germs not exist. That's right. Now you see what I'm talking about with hippies. So. Damn right. You know what kind of place this jury room was? It was a local bar frequented by off-duty cops and deputies. Uh, he still super wanted to be a cop, but knew that he couldn't. So he would at least hang out with cops. You know, he would get to do that, and then they could talk about different kinds of guns and, and the ammo that these guns use, man, and, like, like, they could totally talk about, like, stuff that's going on, and, like, maybe, like, they could, like, deputize him, and they could... Like shoot out at the okay conduct. Uh, fuck, man, I'm too tall. So, so they gave him. Take it until you make it. 
surround yourself by the type of person that you he want just to needed, become. He just needed to cut his legs off at the shins, and he'd have been fine. They referred to him yeah. as Big Ed, because what else do you refer to? Uh, the the six foot nine man named Ed that keeps knocking stuff over because he can't see the like the horizon bends before his arms end. Crazy. <laughs> so he uh, through the years he would take various uh, positions as laborer, and uh, but he finally got a really fucking good job with the division of highways, and that allowed him to move out of his mom's house and into an apartment which was in Alameda and he shared that place with a friend, but he says later, cause a lot of shit that we hear about the, the more uh, minutia driven parts of his life is from him later. He says that his mom still, uh, I love that fact too. Yeah. That, <laughs> uh, that he oh, gave so many interviews. Candid, he's one of, like... he's one of the best interview reads of, of any, any 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 uh, serial killer ever because everybody all the other serial killers are like me 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 he's like yeah me but like here's why and here's here's a graph and if you yeah. hand me that beaker over there we'll put the solution into it and that didn't happen because he <laughs> he was anyway yeah so his mom still fucking just constant beratement and belittlement so he says and while he's working there he wrecks his motorcycle twice because he's too, he's too fucking big to be riding a motorcycle and he should have fucking well known that so the department of highways lets him off uh, a bit of time after the second one cuz he had broken his arm and he ended up getting getting an out of court settlement and he ended up buying a car and it's, I mean, hey man, it's all a coincidence and shit or whatever, but that car just so happened to look a lot like an unmarked police car. <laughs> he he then equipped the uh, unmarked looking police car, looking car that he had bought with a radio transmitter and a microphone, a large whip antenna, and started picking up some hitchhikers. Mm. Wow. Small pretty female hitchhikers he would he would pick them up and he would study them he would watch how they would react to him he would learn the best ways to make them trust him and he would drop them safely where they wanted to go and in his head the whole time he is fuck stabbing them like crazy so wow but he knew that he had to work all of the kinks out of this plan of his before he could actually put the plan into action so he begins to outfit his car for these future plans he uh he took that big ass antenna off he rigged the passenger door to keep it from opening from the inside he has plastic bags knives guns and a blanket in the trunk so he would still just pick up girl after girl just each one more of an experiment than the last seeing just waiting to see if he had a moment to take it and after more than a year of picking girls up and letting them go, on May 7th, 1972, that it, that moment finally came. That's, uh, oh, dude, I believe that's what so he... Much preparation. believe what he would have called the magic hour. So... Oh, Mary, my God, I can't... <laughs> I can't even imagine. It's so crazy that, that uh, I just I just think about. Nah, never mind. It's not gonna make any fucking sense. But it's just crazy. <laughs> so Marianne Pesci and Anita Lucchesi were students. At, <laughs> were students at Fresno State College. They were hitchhiking to Stanford after a couple of days they had spent in Berkeley. Well, they never got there. So their families uh, both filed missing person reports. But back then, uh, runaways and transients in the Bay Area were so common that it was really hard to get the cops to even 
pursue the case because they're like, oh, well, we get 50 of these a day and they're just fucking hippies going around doing and being hippies, you know? Because girls disappeared all the time, but they would turn up someday with a new boyfriend or friend and, and, you know, even if they had taken action right away, it really wouldn't have done any good because Edmund had killed Marianne and Anita soon after picking him up. After driving him around for a bit, he took his gun out from under the seat, and he, then he pulled off into a deserted area. He put Anita in the trunk, and then he turned his attention toward Marianne. He first handcuffed her, and later across the back seat face down. Then he put a plastic bag over her head and attempted to strangle her with a length of terry cloth. She bit a hole in the bag, and the cloth snapped. Which is when I would be like, you know what? This has all been a huge mistake. Um, You know, but he's like, no, that's it. Like, this is the magic hour. And he gets real frustrated, pulls out his knife, and just fucking stabs her repeatedly. And after just stabbing her a bunch, he eventually slashes her throat. So... With uh, one out of two. In the car? In the car, on the back seat. He then takes Anita out from the trunk, and with an even larger knife, he begins to stab her. She fought and she screamed, but he eventually wore her down. What he later says about that, um, I don't have the direct quote in front of me right now, but it is one of the the crazy insights into uh, the man himself. And who he thinks he is, or at least who he thinks he is um, freely putting out to the world. He's, he says, uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot harder than you think to stab somebody. <laughs> not Not your brain telling you not to do it, but the physicality of shoving the blade of a knife into someone's chest is, he says, it took an amazing amount of force. He said he had to hit her so hard with it that she came off of her feet. Oh yeah, no, I bet. Yeah, the the movies the movies make everything seem so easy. Like yeah, the, have the you fact, ever tried like, to I break a car window with your fist? Jesus Christ! Fuck no, there's no way I break my goddamn hand. Just yeah, like I went, like you know how bad it is for you to be knocked out for any longer than than a fucking second. And yeah, people that's in the movies damage. get knocked out from any and every little hit for mm-hmm. fucking like a half an hour while they have conversations. Yeah. But in real life, <laughs> that guy's just, head just now would hurt like hell, but you'd be like, what the fuck, man? Ow! And then yeah. now you're just getting bashed to death in the head. And if you're not yeah, to it, death, it really you're waking does. up a, a different person, let's say. Like, mm. sometimes just the right hit will knock you out, but sometimes, like, for the most part, the the, the human brain doesn't want to go out unless mm-hmm. it's sleepy time for real. Like, yeah. it, it's not that easy. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Our, our brains are quite the diva. Our brains are like, uh-huh, yeah. I want rest when I want rest, and if I'm not going to get it, I swear to God, I will kill off portions of myself. And scream and fight and what the fuck? <laughs> that mm-hmm. seems crazy. You know what else is what the but fuck? But continue. I, I'm. No, 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 no. This is good. I, 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 I'm digging it. So what else is fucked up is is that he drove around with their bodies in the car like f- for a little while because it seems to me that the the one part of his plan that he maybe didn't think all the way through is uh what he should do with these bodies once he's successfully uh, s- turned them into bodies from living human beings. But you said he'd learned. But you said he was a genius. <laughs> well, no one else had gotten that far without getting caught, apparently. So, Well, event- he had already done the first part before and had nothing to do with the fucking body, so why the mm-hmm. fuck wouldn't he have thought about what the hell's the second part? Like, hey, man. Really, boys will dude? be boys. You spent know? now five years studying and didn't even make it past the first part <laughs> I think he I think I mean you know it, it's uh, it's opening night jitters so they say you know you, you, you're always like oh I knew I'd forget something you know and that's just yeah what <laughs> yeah I got so it. Ev- yeah eventually okay. eventually lost. though he brings Marianne's body into his apartment where he undresses her 
and then he dissected her. He, oh, yes. <laughs> he, uh, he also, uh, uh, beheaded Anita's body. Um, Marianne's body was buried in a plastic bag he'd used to try to suffocate her with, and later he would lead police to the site. He kept both of their heads for a while, though. Um, eventually, he disposed of them in a ravine, and Marianne's head was found and identified in August, but neither Anita's head uh, nor body had ever been found. And that, my wonderful little poppets, is part one in this stone-cold series of a motherfucker of a story of Edmund Kemper. Ah, I love this guy, too. The the actual interviews. You see so many of them online. Yeah, when I say that, that his... I, Sweetheart, do you remember what I told you his IQ was? Yeah, it was like 147 or some shit. It it's it's astounding what this dude's brain could have done had it not been preoccupied with with bloody murder sex. So see kids, it's easy and very very uh what's the word i'm searching for um real to be the dumbest smart guy ever yeah like, for real even, even the, the smartest guy in the world can have a really stupid idea to for something and then he can pull off that really stupid idea flawlessly but it's still a really stupid idea or yeah or stupid idea like only halfway stupid and he didn't fucking think it through properly <laughs> but you know guy. uh that's that's uh the edisons of the world while the the super like altruistic smart dudes uh are the nikola teslas which are uh, you know, relegated to the annals of history where they can only be fully appreciated uh almost 200 years after they die because the other dude had more money and put his name on stuff. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, the the fucked up thing is, like, this, as smart as he was, he probably was just inherently great at something that he never actually found because of the fact that this other thing was taking, was occupying all his, uh, his You know time. what I bet? I, what I bet he, he, if he wouldn't have been a murderer, what he would have been, like, just fucking godlike at? Is a uh, 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 Scottish Highland River dance, man. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like getting kitty cats out of trees and shit. No, no. See that that takes nothing. That's just being tall. He was Michael Flatley before Michael Flatley and after Michael Flatley. Oh, the pre and post Michael Flatley. Mm-hmm. Because because he, he because he killed, beheaded, raped, and uh, disposed of Michael Flatley. <laughs> Ew. Uh, oh, it's good to be back. That's gross. It's good, it's good to be back. So I I wouldn't exactly call this a uh, a, a mini or a shorty. I still don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with the uh, the intro for it or anything like that. Maybe I'll do something fun, but. I th- this is the best place in the show to or in the story to end the show because it ramps up exponentially from here for at least the for at least two more episodes. So I hope you like here. I mean, there was st- how often do we get to hear of the serial killer that we're going to be talking about in the next episode in his first like origin story episode? How often do we get to hear him as a as a child, as an adolescent uh, murder? How often do we get to hear about murders by the guy we're talking about in their formation episode? Not often. No, no, not very. So this guy was advanced in all kinds of ways. He was a fast study, you know? Prodigy. Ahead of his time. Like, don't get me wrong, people. This guy was a piece of shit. 
Like he, he, he murdered trusting innocent girls. Um, because he knew that he could tell them exactly what they needed to hear to not think that he was going to do what I just said he did to them. That guy's a piece of shit scumbag, but it's a fascinating look at how someone that is a piece of shit scumbag, uh, how they can be one of those things turned up to 11 trillion. And on that sobering note, you've just listened to another episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. Indeed. The UFOs, the conspiracies, and the yucky, yucky murders. Fart sound. Countdown? (laughs) I said fart sound. You said countdown. You gotta stop telling me when to do countdowns, dude. I feel like you're stepping on my shit a little bit over here. All right, let's go. All right. We're out. So, I'm tired. So Sleepy Roman time. numeral countdown. Three. Oh, that's still just three, two, and one, isn't it? Okay. Uh, I, I, I. I, I. Later. I. 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 I.